Welcome back to another episode of the Dear Fathers podcast. I'm your host, James Meeks. And before we get into it today with our dope guest, I got to tap in my boy, see how he's feeling today. Jesse, how you doing today, bro? Bro, I'm good, man. Uh, this season has been great so far. I'm loving the guests that we've been having on. Um, you know, James, me and you, big basketball fans. So I'm excited about this guest, not only for his basketball career, but what he's doing now in the podcast space with us also having a podcast. I'm looking forward to chopping it up. So. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, today's conversation is going to be really dope, man. So to get into it, we'd like to welcome former NBA player, current co-host of the Knuckleheads podcast, and an amazing dad, Quentin Richardson, to the Dear Fathers podcast. Q Rich, how you feeling today, family? I'm good, man. appreciate you fellas having me on. Man, we appreciate you jumping on, man. And when we get these conversations started, we, we like to take it back, man. Um, you know, we know present day what you got going on, and we'll get there too. But we want to take the people back, get a better understanding of you, um, and with the conversations that Jesse and I often have on the pod, we typically talk to guys who grew up in single family households and it's usually they're raised by their mom or their mom and dad were together. They split up. Dad's not really around as, uh, as much or dad might not be around at all. But for you, we want to go back because we know you have um, a different dynamic and background, given that you lost your mother to cancer at an early age, man. So take us back to where you grew up. Um, and then, you know, what it was like for you losing your mom and then being with your pops like 100 percent of the time and not having her there to kind of guide you as you kind of shifted off into the world. Man, Chicago, South Side, you know, wild, wild, wild hundred, 115th and Parnell, uh, Roseland area, Cooper Park, where, I, you know, where my grandmother stayed, where I really, you know, hung mostly outside of my neighborhood. But uh yeah, man, 12 years old, I, uh, it was a, it was a, I mean, to say the least, it was a rough stretch and the probably it was about a span of six, seven, eight months, maybe. I lost my grandmother first. Was it my grand? I lost my, no, I lost my brother first. My brother Bernard got shot and, um, and killed. Then I lost my grandmother. She was just, she died from natural causes. She was much older. And then um, my mother passed last. So uh, yeah, that was, that was probably the, the, you know, the, 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 the most impactful. Cause I was definitely a, a mama's boy. My mom was a stay at home mom. Pops went to work and, um, you know, brought home the bread. But uh, that was a, that was a huge adjustment for me. Cause I mean, immediately from that standpoint, once she passed, because my pops would be, you know, he was he was punching the clock 4 a.m. 4 a.m. not getting back home to around 4 or 5. So, you know what I'm saying? He drove public transportation in Chicago, to, uh, the, the CTA L train. So, did that for 39 years. So, you know, he's where I get the whole work ethic and everything from. I saw it literally every day, you know, with my own eyes. And he definitely instilled that in me as well. But, uh Back then, man, when that first happened, it was like as a, you know, as a 12 year old, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I knew it hurt. I knew I was, you know, going through something, but I had no clue of the, you know, the capacity and how big it was as you look back on it when you were, you know, an adult. But um, my sister, my sister stepped up in a, in a major way, because like I say, for the most part, my pops. He was my pops right now, still my pops. Like he don't, you know, come to my house, like, man, what's this? What's that? Like, what's just who my pops? He'll never not be that. But like for the times where he would be at work and things like that, that was when, you know, my sister, she was, she was more hands-on and she was in, she was supposed to be in college and she was going to Chicago State slash DePaul and had two jobs. So so she was doing a whole lot to, you know, kind of keep tabs on me too. But um, yeah, man, that was that was that was probably like at that point, the toughest year of my life, probably period, toughest year of my life. 
Yeah, man, that's deep, man. And just, you know, shout out to your family for, for coming together and making sure that, you know, you guys can make it through it. And you mentioned, you know, losing your brother. Um, and I know you had another brother who was off in the military. So explain to us like the family dynamic. Were you the youngest child? How many siblings did you have? Youngest child, I had four siblings. My oldest brother is Cedric and my second oldest brother was Bernard, but they were from my, uh, with my father and his former wife. Oh, so, okay. so then it was uh, my oldest sister is Rochelle and then Lee Jr. was with my mom and, and dad. So we, we all lived in the same house. My oldest two brothers were out of the house. They were older by then. So, you know what I'm saying? I had a relationship with them, but they would come and go, but they didn't live on the same roof with me. So Bernard was the one who got, he got killed when I was 12 and then Lee got killed when I was 25, when I was with the Knicks, when I was 25. Got you, got you. Yeah, no, nah, man, it's just crazy to hear that that that, that was your path. And I'm, I'm curious about two things. One, I know you said your pops was always working. So like, did you ever feel like he was missing something when he got off the job, you know, hoop in the backyard, did y'all play together, do different things like that? Or was it just like, uh, See, he just brung home the bread. Nah, see, my, my mom put the ball in my hand. My mom mm -hmm. played for Marshall High School. She won a city championship with Dorothy Gators back when she played. So she was the athlete. My father didn't play any sports. He he got oh, okay. into sports once he started watching me play. So I didn't, I didn't, I'm with him working, I didn't miss nothing. My pops was my my pops was extremely present. He he yeah. wasn't pops to send us and say, hey, you can go stay night. Like he didn't believe in that. He wanted us right in front of him where he know what was going on. Now, anybody could come to our house and come hang out and stay the night because he knew he had that under control and nothing yeah. to be, you know, nothing crazy. Nobody could handle us or do something. And he was always, you know, real cognizant of that. But I mean, my pops, he he didn't do it that way. But like, when you talk about, my pops was a neighborhood mechanic. He, okay. he never not had a car, him fixing, him team. He could do anything. He had this crazy, crazy train set that he built in our basement. So he was like extremely great with his hands. Like even to this day, like I, when I bought him his house, he built his own theater. He didn't want nobody to do it. He wanted to do it himself. Bought the materials, bought all the stuff, had me buy screens and projectors. And he did that. So, I mean, like from that standpoant, he taught me how to change the oil. You change, yeah. change, you know, do an oil change. Uh -huh. You know, let the oil get in my face, did that whole thing. Slide on here, let me show you this. And then, you know uh -huh. what I'm saying? So, like, I always knew how to do stuff like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Fix different things around the house, uh -huh. do little stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't do it now as much because I don't have to. But, like, yeah, <laughs> like, when we was, you know what I'm saying? I, I could change a tire and do all that type of stuff. He taught me literally how to do that stuff. But, yeah. You know, that's that's just, you know, my pops. My pops is the he's handyman extraordinaire, renaissance man, whatever you want to call it. But he he could do that. No, nah, that, that's solid, man. And, and and for one, salute to your moms for putting the ball in your hands, man. That, that's dope. And then also to your pops for teaching you those different things. Like I said before we started recording, me growing up without a dad, I used to crack this joke, like when we didn't know how to do stuff, like change the tire or change oil, like it'll be like, ah, oh, it's because we didn't have a dad. And, and your, you know, in your view, it's like your dad taught you how to do those things. So that's dope. But I also want to know, man, like, you went through some traumatic things at a very young age. And um, I'm wondering, like, was there, like you said, you didn't really realize it at the time. But looking back, do you feel like those experiences, like, pushed you to really go hard at playing ball so you can get to the league and kind of be in a position to, like, you know, provide for your family and, like, put, you know, put the family on your back? Did you have any, like, you know, angst to do that? I think, I think from, you know, from, from that, from everything that I was, 
you know, experience at that young age, that 12-year-old kid, I think it it put me in a position to where it didn't matter what was going on. Like, it's not tougher than that. Like, you've been through this, bro. Like, look, this ain't that. Like, and then as I get older and older, like, you know, 21, 22, 23, 24, and then, you know, people become aware of your story and they saying this and they saying they looking at you like, how you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you... Like for you to be regular, normal, you cool, you happy, you have a good time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that means something. So I'm like, I always looked at it as like, and it wasn't even really the totality of it. I always honed in on my mom passing. That was the biggest thing out of it. It wasn't the whole threesome. It was the, it was that. It was like, if I could go through that, I go through anything. I would use that one. Like, like I'm talking about training camp. (laughs) running suicides, working out, trying to, you know, get ready, trying to do, when you're going through the hardest stuff of your life, you're on the treadmill and you're ready to get off. And I'm like, it's you and your mind. This is what I'm telling myself in my mind. I ain't got, I ain't telling nobody else this. I'm telling myself this so that I don't quit because I'm like, you went through the hardest thing you could ever go through. Yeah, that's that's really deep, bro. And I I commend you for being able to 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 channel that energy and turn it in because that's that's really traumatic things and negative experiences you had, but you're able to channel that and turn it into something positive as you kind of push yourself throughout life, man. So definitely hats off to you for that. Um, and kind of like piggybacking on that question. So you know, you out here, you 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 got the ball in your hand. Your mom's was uh, sounds like a local legend um, in the city. So when did you first know or believe that you could make it to the league? How old were you? Uh, when I truly believed I could make it to the league. I mean, I, obviously, I was like any other kid. Yeah, I'm going to the NBA. But when I truly <laughs> believed I could make it to the NBA was, it was my junior year. Going, um, going into, yeah, it was, it, was, it was like actually after my junior year, going into that summer. Of uh of everything, you know, AAU, mm-hmm. this and that. So like you start off, I went to the NBA, MBPA 100 top 100 camp. And like me and Keon Doolin were kind of like, they didn't really give out an MVP back then, but we were the top two players there. Mm-hmm. So that was the start of it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I killed there and it was like it wasn't really scout stuff. But then when you went to Nike camp, that was the big one. We went to Nike. And that particular year, like even the top players from Adidas had came, you know how they got the circus, but the like a couple of top players like Rashard, Lewis, Strowman, who were really Adidas guys, they came to the Nike thing because they knew all of the top guys were going to be there. If you want to stay, keep your rank, and if you rank, you had to be there. So, and I came out of there. Al, Al Harrington was the number one player. I was the number two player out of there. So after that, it was cemented. Like I went there and I I I, I tore shit up and it was <laughs> okay. like, because like I, I'll never forget because right after that camp, my AAU team, Illinois Warriors, we went to a little AAU tournament in Columbus, Ohio. And I'll never forget Larry Butler calling me to the room, my coach. He said, yo, brought me down to the room. I got to talk to you. And, you know, I come to this room and he like, so this next game is <laughs> about to be like the scouts from the Celtics, the Pistons, it was about five teams he ran off. I said, oh, no, nah. I said, they coming to the game? He like, yeah, they saying this, they say, I say, so you know me, I'm 17, I leave the room, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going straight to the league, like, you know what I'm saying? But like, I, did, I, you know, I didn't, obviously I didn't go straight to the league, but like, that was the moment in my heart where I truly knew like, I'm going to the league. Like they hear, they checking for me, like, I'm not about to screw this up. like. Mm-hmm. And I was confident in myself from what I had did 
coming into the summer, I felt like, all right, I arrived. I got it now. And like all this is clicking at the same time. Like I'm getting ranked on top five. Like the scouts is talking about like, oh no, that's about to happen. Like this is the, this is the path. This is the way it goes. Like this is what I've seen people before me do. And they about, I'm, I'm about to be in that same position. So that was when I truly believed like, oh no, it ain't, maybe it, it's a question whether it'll be straight out of high school or if I go one and done, but like, I knew I was going. I right. knew it. When I got back to school, <laughs> senior, I walked around that bitch like I knew it. <laughs> like I, <laughs> you, had, you had a different walk to you when you pulled back up, but not- The whole city, the whole city. Like the, I yeah. feel like the city was nine. I feel like it wasn't nothing nobody could do with me. I had put the work in, I had proved everything I needed to prove to everybody. We didn't lose a game my junior or senior year in the whole city of Chicago, period. The games we lost were outside the city. We ran the city. Nobody fucked with us in the city, period. Nah, that, that's dope, man. And one thing that I get from that is what you said, is that confidence. You had already been through stuff before, so it's like, ah, oh, scouts here to see me do something I've been working at? Like, you was just prepared. But one thing, as a, as a basketball fan myself, I'm curious to know, like, Back in the day, it wasn't the Instagrams. You couldn't really see, right. you know, the, the players and, like, interact with them online. So, like, how was it pulling up to these spaces where it was, like, top 100? Like, were you surprised at some of the guys you've seen? Like, oh, this really like, – like, they really got game in here. Like, what was that like? Yeah, so I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the, the perfect example. My, the year before that, I went to Adidas camp. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm standing there. That's when I'm looking around like, oh, damn. Like, okay, it's, it's really like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, it be, I mean, certain people, you, you certain names you see, they may or may not. Some live up to the name that they got, some don't. But it be, it don't matter. When you go to them camps, you're going to see, you're going to see, you're going to see. It might not be the names you see, but it's going to be official. And so mm-hmm. for me, my, the, the year before when I went to Adidas and I was looking around like, damn, that, that was for me like, go home. And get right, because the next time you show up, it will not be like this. You know what I'm saying? And it was mm-hmm. like, fortunately, I went home, I did the work, and I was able to do what I wanted to do the next year. I came back, and I came in with that mentality because I was drawn off of that experience. Like dudes ain't out here being passive; they going to get it. Like you got to come out here like you wanted them and go get it and let everybody know. Because once everybody, that's kind of how the camps go. Once you establish yourself, everybody go ahead and live with it. Like, okay, he wanted them. We got to kind of defer to him a little bit. So mm-hmm. once that happened, that was that was how my team was. Nah, that's that's dope, bro. It's dope. So um, you got busy in, in high school. You went to college, went to the Paul, stayed there locally in the shy. And then you get to the league. And, you know, a lot of us remember you, or we remember your, your entire career from what you did in Phoenix, to what you did in, in LA, to what you did with the Knicks. Um, but... You know, I think that initial thing that the culture remembers is what you did in L.A. with the Clippers, man, because y'all was just kind of like trendsetters out there. So, um, you know, what we want to know is like, tell us like one of your favorite times of your career outside of those Clipper days. Like what stands out to you most about your career? Man, I think overall is that everywhere I went, man, I think like how you say, like I I get asked a lot of time, like, what was your favorite team? What did you have the best time? And it's so hard for me because to know me is like I'm a person that I'm a I'm a I'm part of the group. I'm a hang with people. We're going to go to dinner like I get to know my teammates. I make friends. I got each team I ever played on. I got lifelong friends from I got people that I still text and talk to and 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 FaceTime with every day from from each of those teams. So it's like for me. I think I take away from it is all of the relationships I built, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Throughout the time, like, even when you talk about this second act that we got with the knuckleheads and everything we do, like, that's all a part of the relationships, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
me and Darius weren't all-stars. We're not Hall of Famers. We're not, you know, getting our jerseys retired and everything, but the culture and people respect us because he, like me, he made great relationships and friendships on every team that he went to. And we were always good dudes. We didn't think we were, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, when you're young, you compete and you have, like, I'm better than you, but, like, we didn't act like we were better humans or better people. We treated everybody the way we wanted to be treated. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, we didn't know it, but we were building an enormous amount of like, you know, credibility and putting a lot in the bank of something that we didn't even know we were doing just a goodwill. Because once your career end, you see it come around when you go to call somebody, you see how hard they go for you to help you with something Well, they don't have to. Yeah. That's not their job no more. You're out of the league. But because you were good and a decent person to them and you treated them the way you want to be treated. They will help you. They, that's what they're there for. And they will go to extra distance when you've shown that you are a good person. That's just how the world works. Yeah, that's, oh, that's solid, that's, man. Go ahead, Justin. No, I was going to just say something real quick, man. I said that's super solid because I, I think that relationship aspect is very important. And I know probably you and Darius talk about this all the time, but I know y'all both got to think that y'all game would translate in the league right now just the way that y'all played. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> D-Miles would be so crazy out there. He'll be a five-man, like, dude. Yeah. Literally yeah. Thing. So he'll be he'll be ridiculous out there. And then obviously I'd be able to play like four positions because they play small ball now and just shoot and defend. So, but I mean I enjoy it. I mean we we love watching it. We love being able to still be connected to the to the league and to the current guys and you know with the pod being able to go out there and talk to the people. And like I say, that the only reason we able to exist is because of those race relationships. And the, you know that the we 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 forever indebted to the even the new players that you know that's coming along and they learning who we are and may not have known but like they mm-hmm. accepting us and embracing us and coming on the show and know what the show is and mess with it so I mean that's that's why we able to continue to do it. Now that's really dope, bro. And um, I wanted to get your thoughts on something, especially kind of like what's going on right now. Like we saw this week, you know. Um, uh, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, he gets fined for the whole tampering situation and all of that. And a lot of people are upset talking about, well, you know, maybe they should take his team from him because he's cheating and he's, in, you know, impacting the integrity of the game. And you play for um, a franchise and an owner who I don't think anybody's ever had their team taken with the exception of Donald Sterling. So after that happened, like, what were your thoughts on them taking the team? Did, was that something that you ever thought you, you would see happen or was you just kind of like blown away like the rest of us? Yeah, I mean, that's not, I mean, like you said, we hadn't seen that happen. So I don't know if anybody thought they would see that happen, you know, for whatever reason. So, I mean, when it happened, I was like, you know, I was obviously the video recordings or the, the uh, recordings they had, that was like, whoa. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I say, like when I was there, man, I, I was there for four years. But I was never the type of guy to like, if we, obviously all teams have functions, you gotta go to this with the owner or this or that. I'm not that guy in the forefront trying to be, you know, I'm gonna do my time, I'm gonna shake hands, be respectful, and then I'm gonna fall back here, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? And as soon as that little time limit is up that we can get out of there, I'm gonna be, I ain't gonna be the first one. I ain't gonna be the first one to put, I'm gonna be like, Third or fourth, though, I was real tactful about that. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to chill back here and stay, you know, play the background. So for me, I never I never experienced anything too crazy with, with Donald Sterling, you know. But, you know, obviously you hear stories and you, you know, like while we were playing there, you heard different things in the papers about his buildings and his tenants complaining about different things. Like we definitely saw and heard little things about that. But outside of that, it wasn't somebody who, you know, he wasn't like a Mark Cuban, somebody who was 
intimate with the players and really like mm-hmm. around. So we didn't really deal with him that much like that. And he had, I feel like he got more and he was trying to do that more. That was after we left when he tried to try and be around the players. When I was like when Baron Davis, Nell, Catino and those guys got there. But I, we didn't experience any of that. Got you, I got you. You got something, Jesse? Oh, no, I was just going to say, man, it's just crazy to think about, like, you know, like you said, you wasn't intimate, so intimate with him, so you didn't know. But, I mean, glad they got him up out of there, though. But even just, uh, you know, thinking about what you got going on now with the with the podcast, man, I think it's super dope because, like you said, you know, you and Darius, y'all wasn't, like, you know, Hall of Famers and this, that, and the third. But what y'all doing is leaving an impact on the culture even to this day with the conversations that y'all having through the pod and with Darius also being from St. Louis, where I'm from, I think that's super dope. You from the shy two Midwest guys. I think that's dope what y'all doing, but what's that experience been like? And did did that just happen organically where y'all was sitting around talking? Like we should start a pod or like, like how did that like come about? So I'll tell you how it happened, right? I don't do this a lot. So when he see this, he would be surprised. Give credit to, to, to one Chris Bernard. He's now, he's a, he's at the Players' Tribune with us. And um, my I first met him when I was with the New York Knicks. He worked for the uh, worked for the Knicks for, I don't know, I don't know how long. A lot of, long years, a lot of years, a lot of years. I can't call him right out, but he worked for the Knicks for a lot, for a lot, a long time. And um, my whole time there, my first four, uh, my first four years and when I came back to the team, he was with the Knicks. So, when I came back, that was my actually like my last stint in the league. And then I, I ended up retiring and well, not retiring, just going to work with the Pistons with, with Stan. But so while I'm working with the Pistons, uh, this is, was the first year of the, the current show, The Shot. You know how they got The Shot, the show on Showtime? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's my show. The show was about to drop and they wanted to, uh, they, they were doing some type of partnership with the Players' Tribune and they wanted to do a piece about an athlete that was from Chicago that made it to the pros and they want, it was called a letter to my younger self. Hmm. So Chris hollered at me like, yo, you perfect for this. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you embody what the you know, Chicago kid is about. You know what I'm saying? You went to college there, then you made the league, blah, blah, blah. And so we, we did it or whatever. Right. So I did the, uh, the letter to my younger self. And it was like, it was, it was really, really real, well received. And it was crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? I remember Eric Spolster, you know what I'm saying? Coach Spo, I played with him with the Heat for one year. He was like, dude, he hit me. He called me like, man, I just, just read the article, man. I'm going to read it to the team and practice. Like, dude, like, this was like, he was like, this is, this is really inspiring for guys. They need, you know, a lot of guys need to see this. So that got really, really well received. And it went on and on and then so. Meanwhile, D was going through stuff he was going through. And so, you know, we always been in contact and stuff. So finally, I got D to move down to Florida. So he moved down to Orlando with me. So now, you know, he, uh, I'm telling him, I'm like, yo, bro, when you get ready, you know what I'm saying? You need to, you know what I'm saying? You need to tell your story. Like, cause like everywhere, like, obviously, like I'm still in the league. I'm not playing, but I'm working with the Pistons. For two years, I was a director of player development. Then I went to be a, 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 a pro scout. So I'm in the arena night to night with all the teams, all of our peers to a man, like people that he played with, people that know him, like, man, what's up with D? Give me his number, I wanna call him, I wanna call him. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm telling him like, bro, people asking about you, you know what I'm saying? But he like, kind of like, he off the grid, he don't wanna deal with nothing, so he like that. So I finally, you know, he get to a point where like, all right, he ready to do the story. So like now, he does a story with the Players' Tribune. And it was like, it ended up being called, uh, it ended up being called, where the fuck has Darius Miles been? <laughs> 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 so, like, 
But his story, like, went crazy than mine as far as, like, the response from the players and, like, you know what I'm saying, what you go through and da-da-da-da-da. I remember when I'm sitting there, like, the, the article had dropped, like, I'm sitting here about to watch. You know how, like, the, the games come on Wednesday on ESPN or, T- or Turner or whatever on Thursday. I can't remember which one I'm watching. About to watch the, uh, about to watch the Clippers play. They playing next after the current games on. You know, they're the West Coast game. So the game on, I'm watching the, uh, the game before the game. Phone ring, Chris Paul called me. Now this before they about to play, he called me like, man, uh, I just got your number from Peasy. He like, uh, man, I need you to give me D Miles number. Man, I just read this article. I was sitting here in the pregame and I, I started reading. I read the whole thing. Like, but I just want to reach out to him and holler at him. All right, cool. Shoot him the number. Two about 10, 15 years later, he ran on the thing and we watching me. I called him, <laughs> oh, I called him now, like, bro, CP just called, like, you know what I'm saying? He read the article this time, third. He like, for real? He like, yeah, he asked me to give you his number. I gave you, I gave you, um, gave him your number, whatever. He said he's gonna hit you after the game. Show his shit, he hit him after the game, talked to him. And so, like, that went real crazy. But like, I was the I was the guest editor on that article. Mm-hmm. And so while we were doing that in the whole time we were doing the article, it was, it, it was like over a period of time in like a week or two that they did the whole, put the whole thing together. And the, like Chris and the people that was doing, they always like, they were seeing the chemistry. Cause like we best friends, we've been tight mm-hmm. since. Like I met D when he was a freshman, a ninth grader. And I was 11, mm-hmm. I was a 10th or 11th grader. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like when he played on the A, we played on the AU together. So he would have to come from St. Louis and stay in Chicago. He would stay with me in my house. We been tight since back then, you know what I'm saying? So then it was crazy that we go and get drafted to the same team. Like I was his host when he came to visit DePaul, all of that shit. Like we got something crazy as you can't make it up. So it's like they seeing and experiencing that. They like, man, y'all need to do something. Like y'all, y'all chemistry is crazy. Like, so, you know, again, giving Chris Bernard his credit, like he kind of came up with this whole thing, like the, the, the podcast aspect of it and like, we went back and forth on all of that, and then we we came to the to knuckleheads and all of that and all of that. But like that was really how that kind of roundabout came together because those two articles, if y'all haven't seen them or read them yet, like y'all, like they were some good articles, and that's what really got everything going. Yeah, that's that's really dope, man. And I've I've read yours. I don't think I ever read Darius' joints. So I got to go check his out uh, for sure, it, man. This was crazy, man. But I think I think like now us sitting here and we've talked about like us sitting here, twenty two, how many years later? Twenty two years later from being drafted to the Clippers, right? And like really doing, like we we played two years together, bro. Like people, it seems like we played like four or five. I was in the years, but like this really lived for two years. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? like that was like when it was like at his at his craziness, like and to see and know, like go back now it's 2022, and like throughout my whole career, I had so many different dudes that get on my team. Nate Robinson, like bro, like man, we used to be going crazy, like all these dudes, and then you see different videos. I've seen a video of the team that beat LeBron and ESPN. They doing this when they won. Like it's like this is crazy. Like to know that we, like you say, there was no Instagram, there was no instant. We could uh-huh. see what happening. We we would hear things, but you never saw. And like to look uh-huh. back now, you see them pulling up unearthing all these different videos, and you seeing this like, yo, we really had it lit. Like we used to yeah. know it was lit because we went from not ever being seen to like when you turn on like me and these say we missed the one hundred and six in part because mm-hmm. you know, in part you gonna see them Clippers jerseys now. Like they was yeah. in there 
media. Like we became that culture team, that young team that people wanted to identify. I mean, we, we wasn't champions, we wasn't winning, but we was cool. We was out there looking like baby AIs with all the yeah. ice. We were swagging, uh -huh. big baggy clothes. We was hip hop. So, yeah. we, and then we were young. We were the mm -hmm. only team in the league that had five, six guys under 20. Mm -hmm. 18 year old. Yeah. <laughs> 19, 118, and like two 20 year olds. Like, we right. seen, like, it's like that everywhere now. But that was not like we had grown men with kids our age we were playing against. <laughs> like, nah, we, man. <laughs> nah, that's solid, man. I, I love to hear that story because, I mean, shit, even I would have thought y'all was together for at least four to five years, but the way it the impact like lasted. But it's crazy to know that it was only two years. But just as I mentioned in the beginning, man, like that era, like, it just had a effect on the culture, man. It'll live forever. So our, you know, why we started this podcast is to give you your flowers, man. So, you know, salute to you, salute to y'all for, you know, having that impact on the culture and continuing to have that with the podcast, man. But definitely want to get into what we really came here today for is to talk about fatherhood, man. So you had to describe yourself as a dad. Who would you say uh, Q Richardson is as a father? Uh, I would say I'm... I'm a lot, I'm, I'm very similar to my pops, how he was. Like, I I, I lead by example. That's why I, I continue to work so hard and show so that my kids see that example. That they see that, you know, daddy got up and, and got to it. Like, I saw my pops. And, like, by that vision, that lets me know, you know what I'm saying, that I'm showing them the way to do it. As well as, you know, teaching them and saying different things and showing them. But I feel the best way is, like, you actually doing it. It's hard for me to... You know, it would have been hard for me to look at my pops trying to instill all this hard work ethic into me if he not doing it. So, like, for me, it's like I, I show them by getting up every day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my, my kids, you know, the younger ones are eight, six, and five. And it's like they into Robux, Roblox, right? So they come to me every damn day asking for these Robux money and stuff. I say, yo, this is real money, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? These <laughs> things is real. And they like... Like every time, like so, then they be about to cry. Like, why you want to go and get on the plane? You gotta go to work. I be like, you want some damn robux, right? <laughs> I say, that got enough money to give you robux. Like, I gotta work hard. Like, robux ain't free. Y'all live in the world where you think it's free. I say, when you get older, you gonna understand that you gotta pay for that. I say, you you ain't pay for it if you ain't got no job. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's that's really dope, bro. And um, I, I go through the same thing because my my oldest is. He's 12 to be 13 this year. So he's been into the whole Roblox thing for a minute. And then my daughter, she turned seven a couple of months ago. So she's playing now as well. And it's always, oh, let me buy this for me. Oh, give me this little gift yeah. card. And I'm like, hey, man, you said buy it. I mean, that costs money. So, all right, what, what we going to do? Let me show you how to make some money. Let me show you what we do out here so that we can buy these things because they I, don't just I, come I, free. I have to put them into a position where now you have to earn that. Because mm -hmm. now I've, I've explained and, under, and you understand that this, this is money. This is free. This ain't about to be an everyday thing. And you're going to have to do something to show them that you deserve this too. Mm -hmm. What did you do today? What did you do to help this house, to help your brother, to help your sister, to help your mama or somebody or your auntie or whatever? What did you do to deserve that you get an A on your, on your, on your report card or your, or your schoolwork? Did you knock out stuff without being asked? Did you do chores? Did you do this? What did you do? Because I like my house. So that's why I say, I was I was I was disciplined in it. Like my wife commends me on my cleansiness of the bathroom because of the way my <laughs> I'm telling you, dog, we had two bad bathrooms. The front bathroom was for, for the boys and any guests. And then the back bathroom was for my, my mom and my sister, and nobody couldn't go in there. And it was like 
if Pop saw like if we cut our hair, we did anything, if we did anything in that front bathroom and it wasn't spotless, like my pops wasn't somebody who was gonna deal with you later. If he got up at three for work and he saw that you getting up at three and you about to clean it right now. <laughs> Everything is right now. Like when you like when I play AAU, like I used to be like, all right, cool, Butler gonna be here about three. I supposed to do the dishes. I'ma just wait and just wrap. Teammates in here washing, I'm rinsing, we doing it together. I'm not going until it's done. That's how my pops was. I, I that's how I learned, that's how it was. Like, you're not playing with me. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? So with, I, with with hold on, Jesse. So with that though, because I, I did read, especially in your your players' tribune letter, I think one of the stories was you had just like got done busting somebody ass in DePaul. Two team in America <laughs> and had to fucking shovel snow. Yeah. Right after, before I went back to the little get down in the party. Yes. So then and the homies in the neighborhood walk past you like, no. Nah. They just watch you on TV busting ass. I just saw you like, no, man. I say, look, I'm like, no, I'm about to go back to the gym. They're like, you supposed to be? I say, no, I'm about to go back. they like, no, come on, bro. Like, yes, straight up. So do you take that same, um, I guess, strictness with your kids when it comes to being clean too? Like, are you like, oh, I got to have it clean right now? Or do you give them a little more leeway? They have a little more leeway. But if I, like, if we agreed to do something, I didn't, I have woke, woken them up. I have at different times turned into my pops real quick. Like, I, I see myself do that. Ah, nope, we're doing this right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not like every single time. Like, my pops was like, he was amazing. That was that was it was one way or no way. That was like <laughs> I, I, I'm a little more lean, but I, I have turned into him a time or two. How often do you stop and think, like, man, I'm t- I'm just like my pops, man. Like this just hit you in the often. middle. <laughs> like I thought, like it, it'd be like I thought and walked out of the room. Like I might come in there, like because like my pops thing when we was growing up used to be lights on and you know light bill and being like. Like, you know, when I was getting tired of, like, touching on the wall, putting your hands on the wall, like, you walking on the wall. So, like, those two things is something that be killing me. Mm-hmm. I come through the crib, like, every room got a TV on, every room got the lights on, like, and that's when I just start ranting. Not to nobody in particular. That's what make me know that I'm being my father, because I'm just uh-huh. talking loud, so everybody keeps like, why is all the TVs on? All <laughs> stuff, and it's like somebody standing here, but they not. Everybody kind of spread out, and I'm just being loud enough for them to hear me. <laughs> No, nah, that, that's dope, man. And one thing I'm gonna say, even kind of going back to this this Roblox thing, whatever y'all talking about, you I ain't mentioned this before. So I started the platform because I grew up without my dad, but I don't have any children yet. So like, I have no idea what the hell y'all talking about when y'all talking about that rope. You you'll see soon. It's it's like a like a virtual reality game where they build uh, shit. Okay. Nah, this okay. is how I explain it, bro. It's like remember at at a certain point of our growing up, right? Once we got, I ain't gonna say Atari, but like when we got Nintendo and Nintendo six, arcades was out. Yeah, mm. man. Arcade mm-hmm. They found a way to get their quarters back, bro. Yes. They, they made a way, and, and then they did it tenfold. Mm. They, the, the whoever created this is evil. <laughs> I'm not lying to you because no kid is gonna sit on there and just play and never want Robux because all of the coolest things require Robux. And everybody else is running around with all these, it's not like you don't see none of the cool stuff. They're gonna see it in front of their face and they're gonna right. be like, I don't care, they, go, they got this and this. Oh uh, man, cool, yeah, it's bro. like, think of like creating a- quarters back. 
creating a player on if you play 2K oh, yeah. or something, Justin, mm -hmm. you want like the, the, the Jordans or whatever the extra right. stuff on 2K. That's, that's, that's what they're doing on Roblox. Okay. It's like, like you want all this extra the VC stuff? points. Yes, all VC duty, blocks, all that. Okay, everybody mm -hmm. figured out the way to get their quarters back. <laughs> yes, that's that's a perfect analogy, actually. Yeah. They give me tenfold. You <laughs> put 25 cent, or maybe like you know, if it was a dope game, they might make you pay like four quarters a dollar. Man, they robots called nine ninety nine. Like VC be costing like ninety nine bucks. All right, no, nah, it's crazy. Definitely sounds stressful, man. I want to get into this, man. You just celebrated your your ten year anniversary, right, with your wife, man. So like, I'm pretty sure that's a journey in navigating, you know, your relationship with your wife, having kids. So like, any advice on like how to keep the spice, the funness going while trying to navigate, you know, being a host of this big podcast while managing the kids like what's that like for you man always trying to find like some little escape time for us and you know trying to like like we went six days just me and her and got to do that even when we're here in florida sometimes just trying to find a day to go for a staycation mm -hmm. and for a day to be away I, my my uh, my sister lives here in in orlando so you know then i got my best friend rio d miles is we got like a nice little community. My nephew is here. So it's like, we can lean on each other to try and do different things. Mm. But, uh, yeah, man, like you say, 10 years, it, it's marriage is not, not, not easy, bro. It's, it's man, it is, it is a lot of work. Like I, we do, we do couples therapy, marriage counseling and all of that stuff. And I think all of those things have, have really helped because, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't like, I don't know if any, you know, if you were, when you got married, I didn't, we didn't do the premarital counseling like to the book and do all of that the way you supposed to. So mm -hmm. you find yourself going to marriage counseling to actually do those things that you should have did there. And those, like all of those different steps along the way continue to help. And I mean, it's still, to me, it's like a constant thing because it's like, it's a never ending story. Like I, I know my wife for over two, over 20 years now and vice versa. And I feel like we still learning each other and learning new things because we growing and changing and like, we got to continue to, you know, be able to uh, pivot and, and and keep each other excited and stuff like that. And keep to keep each other happy. Yeah, no, those are great points, bro. And um, I think like we did before we got maybe we did like a couple of days. I think the, the pastor that married us required us to go to like three days of couples counseling before. So it wasn't really nothing. That's not really, you know what I mean? Like we you did too and you and that like, I don't want to hurt her feelings. I'm going to say yeah. like, you know, <laughs> we've been big into nothing, bro. Like you're not doing nothing there. Like, like that's what we was at. Just same yeah. thing, the requirements by the pastor to get this. this, this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, I wanted to ask you, though, because um, I know, you know, you were in the league for what, like 13, 14 years. Right. So um, how how when you retired, did that have an impact on your relationship negatively or positively? Because you were locked in for 13 years doing one thing and you, you might have been married while you was doing that, but you had your career going and then you lose your career. So how did that change you and your relationship at all? So we didn't get married until toward the end of my career. Okay. And I didn't have any kids. I had a small, I had my stepson, Caleb. He's 18 now. So I had him kind of like for like, what was it like a couple years of it, two, was it two, maybe two or three years here in Orlando. And then he went with me when I was, when we moved to Detroit, uh, when I was being a uh, director of player development. So 
for me, I think I think the biggest difference that I've that I think I've kind of you know observed and looked at like it was it was twofold. So like when I like a lot of people when they when they stop playing ball or they end their career, like they kind of sit at home and be, you know, sitting at home and away from and detached and like kind of feeling some type of way. So for me, like I say, my last year in the NBA was my 13th season. I got cut by the Magic after training camp, right? So I'm thinking like, cool, I'll get cut. I'll clear waivers. I'll sign with somebody else and I'll be double dipping. I'll be getting what I was supposed to get and be getting uh-huh. the minimum. I'm like, uh-huh. cool, this is, what is wrong with this plan, right? Uh-huh. Don't get signed. We go by two weeks, month, two months. So like all, I think all of those things that you deal with being like out of league, I think I was dealing with it right then because I was going through frustrations, being mad, like, fuck, like how I ain't getting, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, that was going on. My wife was pregnant with my first, with my with my daughter, my first child. So I was like, the times where I could have slipped and went dark and did all that stuff, like I had that to really be excited about and be going through that for the first time. And so that kind of like those two things happened at the same time, kind of like equalized each other off. And so I still went through. I still was doing my thing, getting mad and watching games, not want to watch <laughs> that thing. But then I. So like at the end of the season, I'm like, cool, it's over with. I ain't about to get picked up. So we take, we, we, we like, we gonna go rent a crib in LA and stay out there for a couple of weeks. So I remember it was like, cause the season ends always like, my birthday is April 13th. The season mm-hmm. ends on the 14th, 13th, 12th, 16th, yeah. 17th, 18th, every season, never fails. So I'm like, cool, it's pretty much over now. I, I could go, I go uh, spend my birthday out in LA. We would kick it out there. Go rent a crib, get out there on the 13th. Go out, party, 14th, my phone ring at like 6 a.m. It's two days left in the regular season. <laughs> uh-huh. My agent is on the phone like, yo, the Knicks want to work you out and try and bring you in. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to do it. But like, I just got here, had the crib, bought it up for like 10 days. I'm like, all right, cool. So they, now I got to figure out, they want me to come to Portland. They want me to come to side of Portland and work out because they was on the road. So then... I get up instantly, like, all right, let me go hit these little hills and run, run this out. <laughs> right, so, cause I'm like, I wasn't thinking I was gonna work out. So then while I'm running, he calls me again, like, yo, they're gonna send a scout to LA to just see you work out. Can you get you a gym in LA? I'm like, yeah, I can find a gym somewhere. I call a couple people, give me a gym. So then I keep running. So then he called me back again, like, so they said, forget it. If Q says he's, if, if he's he's in shape, then we believe him. Because, you know, I've been there before they got a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like, He's gonna fly you in to New York tomorrow. So I'm like, all right, I stopped running, turn around, walk back home. So I go play those last two games, you no, know, the last game of the season, then the playoffs with them. So I feel like that was my little going through all of that. And even when I got signed, I was looking at it like this is probably it. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause yeah. I ain't nothing happened before that. So I'm like, whatever. But like I think that was me going through that. Then right after that, that next year, when I'm still waiting for a call. Stan Van Gundy calls me and asks me to come be with the Pistons. So I never had that lapse of time where I was just like flailing out there, not really, you know what I'm saying? And then, like I say, the other part of that is that like, I got so many friends, dog. I got so many peers and some guys still play, some don't, but it's like, I don't miss the real camaraderie because I jab with all my partners like that. You know, some mm. take in Florida, some we see when we go different places. And then once the pod came along, that really just made it like, I'm okay, I'm in it. You know what I'm saying? Between yeah. the pod, between my friends, 
And then I'm, I, I do broadcast for the Magic, so I'm in the arena. I'm in it. I, I'm like, I can still bring my kids to the game, and they can be in it and enjoy and see and experience. So, like, for me, I, I'm blessed in the sense that I didn't have to be down in the dumps that way. And then I think the last thing is that the way I was raised, bro, like, my pops now, my pops and sister, like, they never, like, when, even when I got good in basketball, when everybody started coming around, I started getting interviewed, my pops looked at me and said, you you still my son. I don't give a damn about none of this. Don't none of this mean nothing to me. And I'm not about to treat you no different. So like I, I say that to say because some people, when they get that, their family and friends start treating them different. And that's when it go here. It never got a chance to go here for me because my pops humbled me at every step. And he always let me know that you my son and you're going to act the right way. And I don't give a damn if you can make a basket. That don't make you think you could talk or act or treat somebody worse. You're not better than nobody because you could damn play basketball. Like I'm, that's great, but that don't make you like you 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 ain't you don't get to talk down or treat nobody like so. I never got that part of it. You know what I'm saying? That never came with part of my package. So when it was time to let it go, I let it go. Yeah. So. No. No. I definitely appreciate your transparency when it comes to just that overall story and that journey and the ups and the the downs of it all. And I love the perspective of your dad. Right. Like I think it seems like the way he was with you kind of just instilled that discipline. It instilled that hard work, but I'm curious, like, was there, has there ever been a point where he's loosened up and just giving your flowers? Like, look, son, like you did your thing. I'm proud of you. Like, or is it just always that hard, that tough, that tough love? No, nah, he, he's, I mean, you know, obviously once he, since he's gotten older, he has those different moments where he's just like, you know, he come in town, we hanging out on the patio, might be having a drink or something. And he just, he always go out of his way to let him know that I that he appreciate you know everything that I do for him and you know him and my stepmom and how you know the house and just how everything is taken care of and they don't have to worry about nothing. He say you know I don't never want you to think that that me and Marilyn take things for granted like we we over appreciate everything and we know all that you do and you know like we appreciate it. So I mean you know I know I know my pops do, but for him to go out of his way to say that 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 obviously means a lot to me to hear it. But um, I know he appreciates it. I, he's he's that's just who he is. Him and Marilyn. That's that's really dope, man. And yeah, it, you know, it seems like you guys have have always had a great relationship, and you continue to cultivate and have that great relationship today, which I'm sure even pours into him being a granddad and you know putting that with your kids too. So I'm 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 really uh happy to hear that, man. And um, one thing we wanted to ask you about too is you know being a former NBA player. Uh, the, you know the internet was going crazy the other day when we saw Bron. Uh, working out with Bronny and Bryce over at um, the Lakers training facility. Um, so from your perspective, like how crazy do you think it is that there's a possibility that LeBron might play with his son? And we all watched LeBron come up from, I graduated high school the same year LeBron did. So I've been a fan since he was in high school. And now to see that he got a son that's a senior this year too, who could hit the league in a couple of years. Like how crazy is that? It's insane. It's insane to think that that's even, you know, feasible or possible to happen. And I think that you obviously have to salute and give LeBron his flowers for being able to even be in play for this, you know, and I think that's, you know, obviously hats off to him being an unbelievable pro. And I mean, not just being an unbelievable pro, but like the way you got to be able to take care of your body and the commitment and the things that you had to sacrifice to, to be in this position. Like he had to sacrifice a lot to be able to stay this healthy. He couldn't do what everybody else was doing as far as guilty pleasures, partying, drinking, hanging out, eating different things, and still be at this position that he's in. 
and the way that you, you know, he's invested in his body and put money into his health. I think all of those things is like kudos to him. And he's still going this strong and being this dominant and this much of a factor at this point. Cause I think a lot of the people you saw that make it to this point, they weren't as dominant, weren't as, as much of a factor. Like he still, he moves the balance of power when he moves at this point, everybody else wasn't doing that 20 years, 19, 20 years. And they were still who they were, but they weren't still as impactful as they had right. been. I think for him to still be at that level to whatever move he makes, can endanger the balance of power. That's 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 phenomenal. Yeah, no, I think it's dope. I want to see it, man. That'll definitely be a great, you know, moment for dear fathers and some content for us if it ever happens. So, you know, hopefully one day we'll get them on the pod or something too as well. But no, I think it will be dope. And just, you know, thinking about this conversation, man, I just want to salute you from, you know, being 12 and going through those different traumatic things through, you know, making it to the league, having a dad that was around, you know, now being a dad yourself, man, I think, you know, your story and your journey is something that's, you know, that's super impactful. And it's been, you know, therapeutic for me today to have this conversation with you. And again, as I mentioned, you know, I don't have any children yet. So a lot of times I use these conversations as just ways to, to learn from the guests, to learn from James. So for you, like, you know, through your journey in fatherhood, do you have like a favorite moment that you really just step back and like, man, like, you know, I'm really doing this dad thing well? Man, it's every day for me, bro. Like last night we got we got back from, from, from vacation and we got in late. And you know, I got up early this morning and went up and just like woke my kids up and was just excited. Like that's for me, that's the biggest part. Like I think I think returning, like coming back in the house, like cause I cause my kids give me the return of a king. I don't know what's going on when I come in, daddy, they come playing and running, crew's going to jump up on me, Mackenzie, they're going to, like, for me, that does it for me every single time, it never gets old, like, it doesn't matter how long I've been gone, it seems like I've been gone for, like, a month. I could have just been gone a day, and they're going to do the same thing, and, like, for me, that never gets old, like, I, 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 like, just doing those little things, like, being able to, like, put them in the shower at night and being do those type of things, put PJs on them and then tuck them in bed and say prayers and different things like that. Like, I feel like that, that, that that's something that, that, you know, it's, it's a small thing, but it, it adds up to a lot when you're able to do it over and over and over and over and your kids grow up and they remember those things. And like, you know what I'm saying? I, I want to be able to create the life where like, my kids had memories. Every summer we did this. Every day my dad would do this or my mom would do this. So we had this that we did. And I want them to be able to like, cause you know, like I grew up a lot of times, I didn't have those big, big stories about crazy trips. Like, you know what I'm saying? My pops, that's why I flew my pops. We went to Mississippi every single year for Christmas. Like we went for, not, I'm sorry, not for Christmas, for the summer, we would go for like two weeks. Now this is Mississippi. We went to Greenwood, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's barely one movie theater there. It ain't like it was the biggest shit ever to us. The best shit. And it was like, wasn't nobody gonna tell their story. And I'm not telling my Mississippi story like it wasn't as good as yours. Like, you know what I'm saying? So right. for me, I know that it don't matter where I take my kids and how good or bad or how you know looks it don't, it's not about that for me. Like, yeah, sometimes it might be somewhere that's like nice, nice, but like that's not the point. It's the point to them that we together and we doing this as a family and y'all get to remember these times and remember these moments that we spending together. And that's what it's really about. It's not about how much a damn trip costs or where we going, but it's about us going together. Yeah, that's that's really dope, bro. And I, I agree with you, man. There's no there's no greater feeling than, you know, coming home and having your kids run up to you and, 
you know, same thing. I went to the gym this morning. I was going for an hour, man. But as soon as I hit the door, daddy, exactly. like they running up to you, man. And when they little, you know, they don't, they just, you, you a hero to them. And that's just the best feeling ever, man. So I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and then, you know, tapping into this, you know, we got two more segments for you. This one of them is um, something special we do with all the dads we talk to, man. And it's a segment we call Dear Fathers. Um, and what we do in this segment is if you could write a hypothetical letter to your pops, starting with dear fathers, what would you say to him? Man, I would just say, dear father, I would just say, man, I, I've told him this. I, I, I appreciate everything. The, uh, the discipline you taught me, the work ethic, the, uh, the way you taught me to love my siblings and, and to the way that I learned how to be a father from you, but also the way that you taught me how to be, you know, a husband to my wife and the way to, to go about those things and the way to handle them that whole situation for me being a, a, a pro player and being having access to certain things, the way that, the way that he taught me how to, to navigate those things and the, just the advice he would give me was, was, was golden. And it's, I'll never forget it. And I would just say, just thank you for everything, man. He, he gave me so much, so much game, so much intellect and so much insight. And it wasn't always from him speaking. It was a lot of times from just watching and, and learning from him. So just thank you for everything, Pop. No, that's solid, man. I'm pretty sure, you know, as you say, he's proud of you, man. I, I love to hear the story of you growing up with your dad and the things he was able to instill. Because like I said, I didn't have that experience. So seeing that how it's impacted your life and the things that you're doing, man, I think that's super dope. And, um, you know, I just appreciate this conversation and your energy ever since we first connected, man. I think it's been been great. So it was good to hear your story. Uh, but before we get out of here, man, we want to kind of lighten it up a little bit. Uh, at the end of the conversations, we do these rapid fire questions, man. Okay. Five seconds or less. You know, you tell us, you know, each, you know, this or that. I kind of kick it off, man. We'll kick it off with a basketball question. KD or Larry Bird? KD. Okay. <laughs> Whiskey or, or uh, tequila? Tequila. Tequila? Oh, man. Whiskey guy, man. James, you, you're a tequila guy, ain't you? I'm 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 becoming a tequila guy now. Okay. I used to be whiskey, but I'm a tequila tequila guy okay, right cool, now. Okay, cool, cool. All right, '90s R&B or '2000s hip hop? Which one you choose? I'm gonna go '90s R&B. Yeah, you can't go wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. All right, now here's a question. Uh, we kind of touched on this just for a tad bit earlier. The shy, the shy, or Snowfall? Two hit TV shows right now. Snowfall. Ah, okay. Sorry, Chicago, but <laughs> both to a D-Ray on Snowfall. So you feel me, D-Ray? Okay, okay. <laughs> I see. I see the tie-in. I see the tie-in. Okay, cool. All right, AI or Steph Curry? Ooh, ooh, that's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go AI right now. Steph's still playing, man. When he probably your time, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna have to say Steph. I'm, I'm, I gotta Come go, on, man. Four rings, you know what I'm saying? Hey. Like. Don't disrespect Chuck, man. Don't disrespect Chuck. I'm going to go with Bowser right now. I'm sticking to my 90s thing. I'm, I'm going to go with Chuck. I feel it, man. And the last one, man, the best NBA player to come out the shot. The best to come out the shot. I got to go with... Ooh. Isaiah D-Way. Let me make sure I don't think yeah, it's like this is too hard to pick. Yeah, for me it's them two. It's it's I, yeah. I'm gonna say one A, one B. Isaiah can't go wrong with either one of them. 
Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with either one of them, man. No, that's solid, man. No, we definitely appreciate your time today, man. And also before, you know, we get out of here, let the people know what you got coming up next and then how they can follow you on social media. Man, we got uh, me and D-Miles got season 10 coming soon. Knuckleheads podcast, same as always. Favorite stories from your favorite players. Um, you can follow me at Q Rich on either Twitter or Instagram, Q-R-I-C-H, easy. Um, and, yeah, man, just continuing to keep it moving, man, moving the culture, doing what we're doing. I'll be doing broadcasts with the Magic this season and some stuff with, you know, the NBA. So just keep it busy, man. That's dope, man. Y'all might, you know, y'all look like – I don't know if y'all gonna make the playoffs down in Orlando, but y'all gonna be better this year. I get y'all that. <laughs> we got yes, we got some we got some good additions. We got the young boy Paolo, the number one pick. Number one pick always good. So that's you know we gonna we gonna be exciting. I'm just just looking forward to getting back to it and having something to build on. So I think they think the team and the organization made a lot of positive moves, and we got you know got some guys getting healthier that wasn't healthy last year. So I'm I'm definitely excited about the Magic this season. Yeah, that's yeah. dope, bro. Yeah, I'm excited about the season as well, man. I'll, I'll be checking y'all out, seeing what they got going on. And uh, like I like I said earlier, me and James just big NBA basketball fans in general, man. So we appreciate you coming on today. It's been a great conversation. You know, thanks for joining the Dear Fathers podcast. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate y'all having me. Definitely. I'm Aya Tometi. I'm sure you've heard the saying, but it really does take a village. That's why I chose Kinley, a financial services company proudly built for Black America. Together, we create solutions. Go to B-E-K-I-N-L-Y dot com to download the app today. Standard data rates from your wireless service provider may apply. The Kinley Deposit Account is established by Central Bank of Kansas City, member FDIC. The Kinley Visa Debit Card is issued by Central Bank of Kansas City. Consult the deposit account agreement and fee schedule for complete details. Time is money and I'm working on that Richard Mill. It's up to me to drop the ball like I'm finna...